You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 151, covering Culus and Dax with Brian Lynch. Hi friends, we are back with a guest. It's been a few weeks. But, yes, uh, this is our first DS9 guest. Hooray! Right, Brian. Welcome. And you get to I get to be usher here for the first. Yeah, I think I was the first uh, <laughs> slightly disappointing week. Not yeah. not not full on. Oh God, this is terrible. Certainly nowhere close to uh, next gen season one. Just but a, uh, no. a little bit of a stumble, a little disappointment. Friend listeners, if you have been upset that there's been nothing but good things to say about the show so far, boy, are you in for a treat. <laughs> your face is in luck. Yes, your your entire face is in luck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Plus, we've uh, we've we've created an entirely new uh, situation for our good pal Cisco. Oh, so uh, look forward <laughs> yes. to our our fantastic jokes about that. <laughs> but before we go into why Cisco can't do math, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, why don't you regale us with a uh, with a summary of the episode Q-less. All right. Drama strikes Deep Space Nine this week as Doctor Bashir flirts with a lady. What a twist! Thankfully, before he can finish his gripping anecdote about the preganglionic fiber and the postganglionic nerve, and boy, I hope you thought that was hilarious the first time, there's a medical and engineering emergency that requires him and Miles to go to the landing bay. It seems a runabout carrying Lieutenant Dax and Ensign Oh God, I'm an unknown ensign on a shuttle with a main character, has returned from the Gamma Quadrant, and the shuttle door won't open. Gasp! Eventually, they solve the issue by pushing on the door. No, but like, pushing really hard, you guys. Inside, there's a surprise third person. It's Vash, or possibly Vash, you know, from the other show. Surely this is the biggest guest star they'll have on this episode. Unless, wait, who's that guy working on the door? Why, this episode isn't Q-less at all. It's Q-ful. <laughs> After Vash drops off her stuff with the goofiest pejoran ever, she prepares to make arrangements to leave the station, but Quark approaches her with a proposition. Sell her various Gamma Quadrant artifacts to, to some rich chumps for a tidy profit. After an ear job from Vash, he reduces his rate to a tiny percentage. He's kind of depressingly easy to manipulate for a supposedly canny businessman. Then Julian shows up and hits on her for the second time already that episode, but she has to go wash the earwash. <laughs> she has to go wash the earwax off her hands first. Then Q does some stuff. It's wacky. As Quark's really cool-looking customers appear, the rolling blackouts going all over the ship are getting worse, and everyone is sure Q is to blame. He oh, did I? Forget to mention the blackouts? Oh, right, there, there's blackouts on the ship. Anyway, they're, they're all to do with this mysterious crystal Vash brought back with her from the... Wait, what? I'm not supposed to know that yet, but it's so obvious. What about the hull fractures? What's causing them? Gravitons? How many? 60%? Is that also what's causing the blackouts? What the hell is happening in this episode? <laughs> Q shows up and wanders around ops for a while. Do-do-do-do-do, just killing some time here. Finally, it's time for the auction. Vash is wearing a goofy hairstyle and even goofier jewelry, and she still looks great. Q shows up to tell everyone they're doomed, but no one pays any attention. I should try that at a real auction someday. Bet it thins out the competition a little. Anyway, someone buys the mystery crystal, the crew beams it out into space, and it explodes or something. All the gravitons leave, I guess? Or maybe they come back. The day is apparently saved. Q, realizing he doesn't fit in on the show at all, decides to leave. Everyone talks about how rude he was, except O'Brien, who wonders if he's single. <laughs> Goodbye, Q. I'll miss you and all the punny titles we won't see after this. Like, 
Q-tips, where your advice column wreaks havoc in the Federation. Or, I haven't a Q, where you turn up with all of your powers, but with amnesia. Or, the Q in the Gray, where a conflict among the continuums played out as the American Civil War. And... What? Voyager did what? Oh my god, dibs, 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 dibs. <laughs> I don't... I don't think that's how it works, but uh, I'll see if I can remember that when we get to Voyager. Yeah. You, uh, you, you, you pretty much pointed out my bad thing in your summary, which is the, the deadly danger that was so sort of half-assed phoned in yep. well, that we decided I... Cisco didn't even know what the hell was going on with it. Basically what it was was th this episode seems like an episode that's entirely comprised out of leftover deadly danger subplots from Next Generation. Yeah, yeah like, that feels about right. And it's so vague that they're like, the gravitons have increased by 60%. Well, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, how many gravitons are there supposed to be? Like, do we have a lack of them or, an, or a dearth of them? <laughs> which, yes. which led Should into we... our, uh, our our running gag about how Cisco doesn't understand math. How, how many gravitons do we usually have? Are we at 60% gravitons? Or have they increased by... Like, if we usually have 1% gravitons, do we now have 1.6%? Well, so maybe we're we at have... 45% gravitons now. Is that good or not? <laughs> Somebody tell me I don't understand. So, a genius at, at leadership, at tactics, but terrible at math. Not a great math guy. Just awful. Nope. He was which an English why, major. Uh, which is why Quark always gets the better of him at, at the <laughs> casino. Because, why do I keep uh, leaving here in a barrel? <laughs> he's just got a stack of barrels that he sells people because otherwise they'd leave uh, naked. <laughs> Quark brand broke-ass barrels. <laughs> yep. And you'll see here my brother Raw modeling one. It's available for a small down payment. Look at, look at my barrel, brother. <laughs> it's very roomy. He doesn't sound like that yet. No. No, he doesn't. In my head, he does. Yeah, me too. But yeah, my my bad thing was the it just the the deadly danger just completely didn't feel like it belonged. Like we had a nice character thing going with Vash and with Quark and. Uh, also, yeah. Q was there, and uh, boy, he sure was. <laughs> well, that that, that <laughs> was your good your thing, bad right? thing, doesn't it? Your good thing was was Vash, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. She's a really good character for DS Nine. I like when they take the more sort of shady characters that didn't quite fit on Next Gen mm -hmm. and put them into this world because I feel like they, they there's a lot more for her to do than mm -hmm. just stymie Picard here. Yeah, because her yeah. thing on Next Gen was she's a little out of place among all these moral and wonderful people. Right. So she's the Enterprise right is a little too shiny, a little it's too definitely... shiny for her. But uh, DS Nine is just perfect. Yeah, she's totally in her element. And seeing her trying to get over on Quark, and seeing her trying him trying to get over on her, and 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 uh, sort of combining their forces at the yeah. auction, mm -hmm. it was it was fantastic. Uh, the scenes with Quark and Vash are some of the fucking best ever. Those two are hilarious. Oh yeah, they are. And there's a nice charm to them as well. Yeah, like, you feel like she's you know. She's not completely repulsed by the idea of having to, uh, you know, umox him. No, well, I mean, considering no, everyone she's... on the entire station has been hitting on her for this entire episode. Well, Bashir seven times really is, it doesn't really count as everyone on the ship, <laughs> but, or on the station. That's rather. an, av that's an average of everybody hitting on her once. I don't understand what averages are. Is that 40% or what? <laughs> Bashir really, in this one and in the next one. Just this was a real creepy Bashir week. Yeah. yeah, it was. He just—that's his main characteristic right now, just sniffing around the pretty ladies and not taking the hint. No. But uh, so Vash was particularly good there, but that—that uh, that sort of feeds into uh, Matt's bad thing, mm -hmm. which is the the other part of it. Yeah, there's really no point to having Q on this episode. Like, 
we were reading into this. Apparently, he was like the the writer of the episode just wanted to do a Vosh episode, right? Yeah. And he was told, or he was told to uh, that they needed to add Q in so that they could have a TNG guest star to boost the ratings. But he just doesn't fit. He feels like no, he's acting really out of character. There's a scene where um, Vash wants to... Basically, Vash is breaking up with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's the vibe the entire time, is that he's trying to get his girlfriend back. Yeah, and but it's in really... In a creepy way. Yeah. In a very creepy way. But there's a scene where she's telling him how she doesn't need him and anything, and he starts dropping all of these diseases that she would have picked up in the Gamma Quadrant if he hadn't been around. And it's really unsettling and abusive boyfriendy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's... There's there's definite a threat of definitely a threat of abuse there where he's like I could do this to you or this or this and she's like stop it stop I, it it's just like, very uncomfortable. I, Q Q feels better than that. No, Not yeah. much, but still. Well, I think it's that he when he has Picard to play off of, there's like a real solid like one to one there, and they didn't mm, yeah. know how to write him interacting with other people. Like what was like we you you said before the only really bad Q episode was hiding Q. Yeah, and that's because they tried to make it Q and Riker, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't work. No, it's and Q and Picard. It's totally does. Q and Picard. And then when he yeah. shows up again, because they tried to do some stuff with him and Bashir, and that was awful. Yep. And he, uh, well, he puts them to sleep in the first part of the episode, and then our sort of hands on hips, laugh on the bridge moment at the end is uh, Bashir's like, "Oh, I feel like I've been asleep for days. Did I miss anything?" Womp, a gag that probably would have landed better if I had remembered that he went to sleep in the first place. I kept forgetting what was uh-huh. happening in this episode as I was watching it. Now nah, I had that problem with the next episode. This one because there was enough good character stuff going on. Well, that was actually yeah. my my good thing, which uh, um, mm-hmm. is that. For an episode that was comprised of lousy, deadly danger stuff, which is never as good as they want it to be, um, there never. were a lot of really nice character moments. This was, I mean, unless I missed something, this was like one of the first like really strong interactions between uh, O'Brien and Bashir, and O'Brien hates him right now. Oh, God, yeah, I, I think love it's that the, opening. It's the first time we really get a sense that O'Brien just can't stand this snotty kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we know, having watched ahead, that they're going to end up being great friends, spoilers, that's not really a spoiler. I don't mind giving that out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's particularly noteworthy to us because they become such good friends later on. Yeah. To see just how much he just wants to punch him in the face. He really does. And there was some, like, good stuff with uh, with Cisco just, like, as, like, an individual. There's a great mm-hmm. Quark and uh, uh, Odo scene where Quark tries there to bribe been... Odo. And there has been a good Quark and Odo scene, like in every episode so far. They've yep. they've concentrated their efforts on on establishing those two, and they've done a really There's good job he, of it. He what, just yeah. keeps naming things that he was on, like, "How would you like an entire set of uh, Denebrian pottery?" No, and then he lands on a latinum plated bucket to sleep in, and it's it's a visual thing, so it's hard to describe. But Odo thinks about it for like half a second. No. Nah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, hey, <laughs> you almost tricked me, Quark. Quark. <laughs> I'm watching you, Quark. That's how you get into that voice here, Quark. Quark. <laughs> it was, oh, it was, uh, Flonk was saying that uh, he's jealous that he can't get in on our uh, Odo impressions. <laughs> he hasn't I, been along for that yet. You gotta, you, you gotta start with Quark and Quark, work your way back. And then it's pretty easy from that point. That's right. Because if you try to, you throw it up if you try to jump right into both of them, they wind up having pretty much the same voice. Yeah, that's true. Now you gotta, you gotta go with the uh, the Ferengi accent for Quark as well. You gotta, you know, human. Human. 
And he, he, he talks about uh, the Daystrom Day Institute. Day the humans at Daystrom. Right. Calgon. Um, but no, there there were a lot of really great character moments. And, and the show, even, you know, I wouldn't say this was a bad episode by any means. Oh, no, no, not at all. No. It was it was a little weaker than it could have been. And even then it had some, you know, pretty great characters. It was messy. Yeah. It was a mess. Like, yeah, it was all over the place. They couldn't settle on one thing. Because the, the, if the thing was causing too many gravitons... Well, and as you said in your summary, we all figured that out in, like, the first act. As right, soon as, as we soon saw as this... they opened it up in the goofy-ass Batoran's office. <laughs> that was your bad thing. That was my that? bad thing, yes. It was, um, the, um... Okay, so she goes down to the, the assay office in order to, um, secure her belongings, right? You know, like you do when you go to the old West And she comes back to she comes back to the station with a bunch of uh, Gamma Quadrants. Yeah, a bunch of Gamma Quadrants. A bunch and of booty. Yeah. The guy is recording, the guy who works there, who's this ridiculous, pompous individual, and a terrible mm-hmm. actor who talks like that. Well, so and, you're a pirate from the Gamma Quadrant, are you? And, well, I don't see much <laughs> of interest here. Because he's, he's, he's making a recording of the, like, the inventory of what she's putting in. And among his descriptions are one statue, stone. Like, really? Yep. That's it? That's all you're going to say? Then he looks at a bag, looks inside, and goes, assorted gems. Like, miscellaneous. Yeah, you could have broken into her safe, swapped uh, her actual treasure out with, like, a candy necklace, and it still would have fit the description. No, 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 not all the necklace. All my stuff has been... The necklace he picks all up and says... All my stuff's been stolen. <laughs> nope, it all lines up here. It says assorted gems. Yeah, but I had 50 of them, and now there's six. It's still an assortment. <laughs> this is an assortment of gems. I am good at my job. But then the, the, the necklace he picks up and goes, one gold necklace. And not only does it not particularly look like a necklace, it's clearly silver. It's gold and silver. <laughs> right, and later we see her wearing the top two bits of it on her ears and then draping the re- the rest around her neck, which is also kind of weird. Well, like, Excuse it's me, fearless. it's not a necklace at all. It's a ridiculous earring. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, but the, the, crown, the crown jewel, so to speak, is when he opens up her fancy gem, and his description of it <laughs> for the purpose of his recording is, I've never seen anything like it. And that's what the guy writes down. <laughs> that's going to be super useful, dude. Yep. It's just a question mark. For a minute, I thought it was an orb, but it was orb-shaped, so that yeah, can't be right. That's, a, that's how you know that it's not an orb. The Bajoran orbs are, are distinctly nothing to do with an orb in no. any geometry in anywhere. That's one of those, this is one of those orbs, isn't it? No, no, it's shaped like an hourglass. That's right, an orb. <laughs> <laughs> I know it just to look at it. Yeah. And they're, they're right, not now, shaped like teardrops either, which would be useful because they're the tears of the prophets. So. The tears of the prophets, right. right, exactly. Matt, what was your good thing? And I love uh, Cisco decking Q in the face. <laughs> that is yeah. the scene everyone remembers about this episode. When you say Q is on DS9, everyone immediately just remembers, like, old-timey boxing garb and Cisco just punching him in the nose. It's got the best thing. It, he's Basically, Cisco's like, he's just like, if you're going to bring... Q's done that Q thing where he sends everyone away right. so that him and then Cisco can talk. And he's just like, you bring everyone back. It's, oh, so you want to challenge me, do you? Very well. Kingston rules. And he turns it into an old-time boxing match. And Cisco has the great delivery of, what? Yep. And he says it about like that, too. Yep. And cuffs. Yep. What? And he's doing the, the bend at the knee, like, bouncing around so... thing, waving your fist in front of yourself. <laughs> and he's got oh, a really sporting match. Yeah, that, that'll almost certainly be our cover art yeah. this week. And, positively uh, bully. 
And Cisco takes a couple of punches and uh, waits. Are, are, you, are you finished? Are you finished? Bam! There. <laughs> Done. Yeah. One punch, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> One punch. This, go- this, this, is my, this goes to my theory as to why Q never actually comes back. <laughs> it's not that he's scared of Cisco, but Cisco's not fun like Picard is. No, he's not going to take your shit. No. And then, as Brian pointed out, he gets this great look on his face, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't be yeah. doing that again, will you? <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't just a self-satisfied... There was, there was a bit of attitude to that to that little, like, face waggle. I don't know what the hell it was. He punched me three times, and then I punched him... Wait, how many times <laughs> did I punch him? <laughs> That's kind of a deep callback. <laughs> but no, that that was fantastic. And 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 of course the the great line, you know, you hit me. Jean-Luc never hit me. I'm not Jean-Luc. Uh, I'm not Picard. Oh, Picard, right. Picard. <laughs> and he's I'm he's sure from they... the Bayou, so he knows French in some way. Yep. And I'm sure they put that in all the uh, commercials then. Like that was their uh that was their oh, that, yeah, that was their totally. big gimme line. This isn't your father's next gen. Well, no, my father doesn't like Star Trek. What are you even talking about? He's a, he's kind of an original series guy, really. Right. He likes In Babylon fact, I, Five. Well, somebody's gotta. <laughs> um. It, one thing so it, uh, I, th- I think okay. is quite interesting is that while this is a really kind of a lousy Q episode that didn't know how to use Q and didn't get any good advantage out of his presence. It aired the no. week before Tapestry. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because th- there was a there was a like a season and a half where he wasn't on Next Gen, and I just assumed that they explained that narratively by saying that's when he was in the Gamma Quadrant with Osh. Yeah. yeah. Cause th- this actually because I, I was I've actually been looking this up for the last couple weeks, seeing what Next Generation and what Deep Space Nine episodes were airing up against each other. I don't think they did like the Buffy and Angel thing where they tried to overlap certain important no, things. No, that's I like not at all. I think it was all fairly random. But um, yeah, because yeah, this aired the same day as Face of the Enemy, which was fantastic. Right. And uh, then Tapestry was the week after. But comparatively, when DS9 had a great, you know, last week was uh, Babel and Captain Pursuit for you guys, uh, mm-hmm. TNG was doing Ship in a Bottle and Aquiel. Well, well one of those was good. <laughs> that, was a, that was a bit of a mixed week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We um just a, a, a I quick... scared Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> quick side note, we are working on doing another crossover with the Drunken Time Travel guys. I'll mention this more at the end of the show. Uh, very briefly, we were trying to choose the worst Star Trek episode we'd done so far. <laughs> and uh we very Aqu- nearly gave them Aquiel until I realized or Matt actually realized that uh, we'd already put Irish Gav through Aquiel once already. <laughs> yeah, and no one just no be... one needs to do it twice. No. So we spared him that. But uh, we'll give you we'll give you more info on that later. I just uh, made me think of Aquiel twice in one week, so I need to. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for that. There's a there's a great bit where uh, Vash mentions in the Gamma Quadrant. There's a there's a culture that uh, refers to him as the God of Lies, and I kind of want to see that story. I would love to. I imagine it's like the Marvel Universe Earth, and he's just Loki. I think uh, John Delancey wrote yeah, some uh, some independent Q episode uh, Q uh, adventure novels. I, that could potentially I, be funny if you did it I've right. I've heard they're yeah. pretty good, and he's, like, the character's very much uh, an actor-driven character. Like, he had a lot of input into mm. his creations. Well, I know so a few of them have done that. Assuming, know, he's um, a, assuming he's a decent writer, and I think he had a co-writer, but it was, like, one of the good ones. Yeah, like, it was like, Peter oh, David. Oh, it was Peter oh, David. Well. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Really, well, really, did, uh, Peter uh, David IQ. picked up a minor character and wrote a series of their adventures. Why didn't I guess that? Yeah. What a shock. 
<laughs> now I know uh, the dude who plays Garrick also did that, like wrote uh, wrote his own uh, Garrick adventures. Yep. But uh, Peter David didn't help with that one. No. No, just Andrew Robinson. Huh. Was it any good? I don't know. I haven't read it. I have it, but I haven't read it. Why haven't you read every book? That's a really good question. Read it now, Matt. I mean, we'll you... wait. Yeah. All right, we're All right, back. Matt, fine. how was the book? That'll be fine. Call me Garrick. When I first <laughs> arrived. <laughs> uh, What else? I don't have a ton of uh, notes. Once again, we're still sort of adjusting to this show. Let's where it's see. difficult, because while this wasn't the you know a top-notch episode, it was certainly... As good as, as, you know, a lot of the things that Brian's mentioning, the, the contemporary uh, episodes over on Next Gen. Oh, yeah, they're definitely in a good, uh, a good swing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, as, as a result, we're still trying to figure out how to do a show about a show that we, you know, we like and we just sort of sit there and watch and don't take a lot of notes or make a lot of comments about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the I... alien design on the, um, on the, on the, uh, the uh, uh, auction yeah. aliens was good. Uh, yeah. These particularly these these creepy looking dudes with like blue cloth wrapped all around their faces. Oh yeah, that was neat. I really liked that design. They had, like, these, Amanda these... said that they looked like they were from uh, Silent Hill or something. Uh, they like that. Were, yeah, it was bit. a very Silent Hill design. Yeah, but well, you know, way ahead of its time because mm-hmm. that, that you know they'd be like six years apart or something yeah. like that. So that was cool. And uh, there's a there's a really nice subtle shot where people are raising their hands during the auction and somebody raises a six-fingered hand. Yeah, yes. that was pretty cool. Too. I didn't notice that until this, this most recent time we watched it. No, that, yeah. that, that's uh, really neat. Like then he gets stabbed by Mandy Patinkin, though, so that was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, O'Brien and Q. Oh, yeah, oh, that was pretty great. Yes, actually, that's uh, my quote, so if we'd like to Oh, insert. handy. That here, thusly. Why don't you do something constructive for a change? Like torment Cardassians. Do I know you? O'Brien. From the Enterprise. Enterprise? Oh, yes. Weren't you one of the little people? There was there was some great meta humor there. Like that line, and like, uh, he, he, meant, he actually says the word technobabble at one point. <laughs> yes. Like, you people and your technobabble, or something like that. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Just a just I a read, couple of nice little meta jokes. They put that in specifically because they were sick of doing techno babble at that point. <laughs> and there are, and it's only like what week seven or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh it's like, God, we're so sick of this shit. But yeah. uh, I just, just, I just, just wait. it was, it was such a great uh, moment for him because he was one of the little people, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why true. we love him. Right. Also, he comes from the land of little people. Darby O'Gill and the little people, <laughs> to be exact. Is that a crack, you son of a bitch? Starring Sean I'll fight you too. I'm Irish, you know. Starring Sean Connery as an Irish guy. <laughs> well, that's what his accent is, right? Yeah, good enough for Disney. Well, same for same with the Untouchables. He played an Irish guy in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the Chicago way. I'm from Ireland. I'm an Irish cop, you know. Uh huh. Sure you are. Hard to tar, to tar, to tar. Oh, oh, and the the uh, the Gamma Quadrant relic, whatever it was that uh, was causing all the trouble, ended up being a life form at the end, which is oh! this weird sort of throwaway. I forgot that again already. Oh. I've seen that. You you guys were right there with me. I saw that episode. Yeah, we saw it an hour ago. ago. That's because it was so inconsequential. It just didn't matter. But it felt like the end of a next gen episode where it would have been like, let's follow the marvelous new creature. It looked a lot like one of the um, Farpoint jellyfish. Yeah. yeah. But instead, it's just like, yep, there it goes. Well, so long. So long, Manta. Godspeed. Back, back through the wormhole, I guess. Oh, whatever. Not our yeah. problem anymore. <laughs> I almost like that, though. Wait, like, you took all of our gravitons with you. No, no, no. Captain, How many percent we, we do had... we have left? 
seven. No, oh, Captain, no. He, no, no Commander, he gave us more Gravitons. What? <laughs> How many Gravitons are we supposed to have? Let's start with that. The problem is he's got to go to Keiko's school to learn this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> no, one wants wants to, no one wants to do that. No. I was that was nice. Keiko's major. visiting with her mother. Keiko's not visiting her mother till next week. Oh, damn. Like until until the following episode. In this episode, she's technically still on the station. You can't you you, you can't feel her presence because Q is the only per- character who can actually sort of overshadow her. <laughs> but she's there. Trust me. I just pictured Q, Miles, and Q's just like, "Oh my god, what was that?" As a I'm presence sorry about I that. haven't felt since. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, little people. Crack. You really suffer, man. Oh it would God. Be, no one. It would be like no that. It would be like that. that novel where Q met Mrs. Troy. Just be like the, oh God. the two great forces of irritating everybody around them coming into conflict. <laughs> that was a good book. That by was. The way. Yeah, that was. Also, was, Peter uh, David. That was, uh, what was? What was that called? Uh, I can't Q, remember. Q and Law. Uh, Q and Law. Q and Law. Right, yeah. Thank you. I like that one because they had right. some real Star Wars style like space pirate adventure people in it. Just just for fun. They didn't really mm-hmm. have much to do with the plot. I don't remember that. I just remember Mrs. Troy getting uh, Q powers at one point in the story. Yeah, and she used it to beat the shit out of Q. Yeah, because yep. Q gave her his powers, and then when he took them back, uh, Corbin Burns and Q gave her uh, his powers, but didn't tell anybody it was oh, him. Nice. So Q thought Excellent. that he just lacked the ability to take them away for some reason. Right. And then she turned him into a tennis ball and slammed him up against the wall. <laughs> nice. So uh, check that book out, people. It's yeah. a better Q story than If you're one. looking for a good, solid Q adventure, there you go. Yeah. There's an right. there's I'm, an audiobook that's actually read by Major Barrett and John Delancey together. Yeah, oh, nice. The, the problem with Trek audiobooks is they are abridged. Su- that, like they abridge the hell out of those. Yeah, things. but I think it's turn got, what should be in a ten hour audiobook to like two hours. But I, I think it's only like ten, uh, five bucks on Audible. So for you know oh. an hour and a half of decent Q jokes as read by uh, the, the the actual actors, it's that's one that I'd say is relatively worth it. Yeah, and that was a, that was a little a one anyway. Point. That was like a tiny little slip of paperback. Right. So I'm not sure how I'm, much they uh, cut out. I'm trying to think, uh, and Matt, you're obviously uh, better versed in this sort of stuff. Are there other stories about Vash out there? Uh, I know that she features in the Millennium Trilogy. The oh, DS9 right. The, Millennium Trilogy, the DS9, right. Which we should recommend because it's fantastic. Yeah, that's check, a very uh, good sort of... Not until you've seen the entire series, though, because it, there's a lot of stuff about it, about uh, what happens later in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. But once you're, once you're done, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. I uh, as 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 novels go, I think I read fewer good Deep Space Nine novels than anything else. Like I've mm. read a lot of great original series and some decent next gen ones, but almost no good. Uh, I've got Space a copy of uh, another Peter David one, The Siege, which was the first DS Nine novel that they did after uh, the emissary novelization, and it's actually quite good too. Is it? Are, is everyone in character, or is it so early that he's he's just? I wildly... mean, everyone's fairly in character. Uh, I was pretty to, into Deep Space Nine when I read it, and I dug it. That's cool. According to Memory Beta, she's only in uh, two novels. Oh, that ah. sucks. That's a disappointment because she's been in three different episodes, uh, three very different kinds of episodes, and she's been great. And, yeah. and in fact, Brian, you've been here for all three of them. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, as I referred to it, my Jennifer Hat Trick. Uh, <sighs> which is funny if you know that the well, actress... It's a good thing there aren't any Bash episodes left because you're not coming back after that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually good. The, I like the, that. The actress that plays her, for those that don't know, is Jennifer Hetrick. See? Right. And a hat trick and is when there's three goals scored by one person in a hockey game. Oh, so, I anybody who knows but, Star Trek actresses from the mid-90s and uh, hockey is laughing. 
I, hey, I liked it the first time I heard there it. We go. just uh, I, I just set you up for it the second time, and it wasn't quite you know the same sort of gut reaction. So because uh, <laughs> you were you were expecting it this time, right? Exactly. Uh, anything else about this one? Like I said, it was one of those that we that we had some problems with and uh, and and so forth. But it's still one of those where I only have like ten notes, whereas I used to have thirty or forty yeah. for a next gen episode. Yeah, I have uh, only one thing to say, and that is that according to memory beta. Um, mm-hmm. Vash in the Mirror Universe became a Borg and Picard killed her, as revealed in a book called, I'm not making this up, The Worst of Both Worlds. <laughs> oh, which deals with wow. the Mirror Universe Borg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's terrible. That is, that is so awful, I kind of want to read it now. <laughs> I really do. It's and it, and it deals with apparently it deals with Picard being a really good person in the mirror universe, which uh, contradicts every other mirror universe book I've ever read. Uh, wow, I'm still sorry. I'm still on worst of both the worst worlds. Of both both worlds. worlds. <laughs> yep, that's like the greatest. See, because the read. opposite of best. Uh, <laughs> All right, Matt, you got anything else? What? No, I don't. Sorry. Okay. Very <laughs> Nothing much. to come back from after that. <laughs> no. We, we better just press uh, forward. Also, that. we watched Thanks Dax. Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, so the episode <sighs> called Dax. Let me, let me tell you what happened in that. Uh, so Dr. Bashir is hitting on Dax, so it must be a Tuesday. Wait, we're on a Bajoran station, 26 hours in a day. Maybe there is no Tuesday. Maybe it's like pa day or something whatever day it is julian still hasn't gotten the hint and he's sniffing around jedzia like so much unneutered dog <laughs> running out of ways to extricate himself from his advance herself from his advances dax decides to get herself kidnapped and accused of murder turns out her previous host noted dirty old man and cisco mentor curzon dax was involved with some kind of planet that was fighting off rebels oh good that's always good time curzon curzon was good friends with the heroic general who ultimately defeated the rebels so naturally he's suspect number one in his murder which happened like 30 years ago. So says the general's son, Elon Tendro, who is clearly a refugee from some manner of Star Wars or another. <laughs> anyway, Tendro wants to extradite Dax and to stand trial for being a murder, but then someone remembers that, oh yeah, DS9 belongs to the Bajorans now. So a hearing is convened wherein Tendro has to convince a Bajoran magistrate that Jadzia Dax is responsible for the crimes of Curzon Dax. This goes on for approximately 17 acts until Odo discovers that Curzon didn't murder anyone, but was just stupping the general's wife. Except he doesn't say it like that. I wish he had. Something about Odo saying stupping would have been an utter delight. Anyway, since Dax clearly didn't murder the guy, we never get a definitive answer to the question, is a Trill responsible for the crimes of previous hosts? Which seems like something somebody might have worked out at some point over the course of hundreds of years of Trill culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, 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 the primary conflict of this episode is something that does not feel like it should be coming up for the first time now. Yeah, it'd be nice if it had gotten resolved. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Considering that and they have rules, resolved. they have rules about how the stupping should proceed. Uh, right. with previous hosts. Uh, right, although we don't know that yet either. Uh, that's true, yeah. but the, the fact is that they, they do, and... Yeah. So... Yeah, no, it's it's so strange. Like, it seems like a legal precedent would have been set at some point. Of course, uh, English Gav, having just seen this episode, said, okay, so Cisco's trying to argue the whole time that Curzon is not Jadzia. Maybe he should stop calling her old man. <laughs> it's not really helping his case. Well, that's um... the thing is they're also they're really vague about that during the episode because Jedzia keeps going back and forth. I'm not Curzon. Oh, but I am. Fr- we've been friends forever. But I'm not Curzon. 
But I did do right. all that stuff. But I'm not. I remember Kurzon. all these memories that I have? But well, I'm who not the this fuck guy. are you then? Yeah, I mean it's a strange and cool alien concept that we should have clarified for us, but I don't feel like the episode did that. No, well, yeah, the whole which is weird because that was all the episode was about. The whole point yep. of the episode was let's further develop Jadzia and explain about her, and we're only left with more questions at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, they they explored Jadzia almost not at all. In fact, that was well, my bad yeah. thing, which is for an episode about Dax, there was almost no Dax. So it wasn't about her personally. So, okay, fine, let's make it about the culture. Let's make it about what trills are like, except you don't really get that either. No. We did learn that you get... you're only a trill once you're joined, which makes me wonder what they're called before that. Because yeah, all this time trill, I had assumed a trill for that life. the... I was, I was waiting for that reference, mm-hmm. Matt. Once you're a trill, you're a trill for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... But, but I, I'd always assumed that their race was called the Trill, or maybe both parts of it, and there was, like, Trill Host and Trill Symbiont. But then yeah, they actually like, say, like, you were studying to become a Trill. I understand that it's a great honor to become a Trill. And I was like, right, oh. Where it should have maybe been, you've been studying to be a Joined Trill yeah, or something, or, something. Like that. or maybe, like, one of them is called the Tr, and the other is called the Ill. <laughs> and they come together, like, uh, opposites attract. Yeah. Like half of them is MC Scat Cat and half of them is Paula Abdul. <laughs> I Are really you trying don't to imply that MC Scat, Scat Cat lives in Paula Abdul's stomach? Because that would explain yes, that a is lot exactly, of things. That is exactly what I'm implying. And explain why she acts the way she does now. Wasn't she on American Idol or used to be? Yes, I don't know. And she, Maybe she basically showed up drunk every week. It was magnificent. Yeah. No, she wasn't drunk. She's she's just the victim. She there. just has a cartoon. Yeah, MC Scat, Scat Cat was drunk. Yeah, MC Scat Cat is a real alcoholic and. Uh, He's got a real problem. Some, yeah, serious. That's why. Thing. That's what this episode is. It's an intervention for MC Scat Cat. Right. <laughs> We're worried about you, man. We did 151 episodes before we could finally get around to it, because this is a very hard subject to broach. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, Brian, good thing. Um, well, my good thing was um, generally uh, Star Trek courtroom stuff. We've always said it's good. I joked yeah. in the episode that... Um, why is the captain always, should, like, shouldn't they have a Starfleet lawyer on board? Who's right. job, but it's always the captain. But um, in this case, uh, especially because he had a conflict of interest, um, mm-hmm. being, you know, personal friends with the guy, both the current host and the host at the time. But right. all that aside, there is still always good stuff. And I like that they did a little Law and Order thing with the, uh, um, you know, the uh, Odo side of it and then the courtroom side of it being separate, which... Uh, that worked really well. I, and I think that's, from the other side, that was kind of Matt's good thing. Yes. I do well, I do enjoy when Detective Odo solves the case of the cheating Dax. Yes. And, I, and, and this is something that comes up repeatedly, the uh, the Odo as as detective, and I yeah. think it's done a lot better in future episodes. It is, yeah. yeah like, this is the first time we get that. So. Yeah. And it I was pretty perfect, desperate to find a good thing for this one. Yeah. I, still, I still found it appealing. The the sad thing is this up this was the episode that we found kind of boring, kind of disappointing. Not bad. Like when we go make lists of bad episodes, this isn't going to be on it. Probably it's just no. sort of standard and boring and doesn't really go anywhere. And there's not a lot of good character stuff. Was what was disappointing to me was that uh, it was written or at least co-written by DC Fontana, oh, yeah. uh, the the lady who basically created Spock as we yeah, know him. Like like if you want someone to be creating your new interesting alien race, you could not do better than dc fontana like she yeah, basically exactly. created vulcans yep and then so giving her this uh, awful. yeah so giving her the th- this is what the the trill are you know seems like a really good idea yeah except that it turns out it maybe wasn't 
it was it was just kind of flat and like i say there was no there was a jedzia maybe had what 10 lines in it in the yeah. entire episode she just stands there looking solemn the well that's time. my bad thing i mean like jedzia you're on trial for your life here do you maybe want to do you know anything nope, no nothing all right whatever she, well, the whole like, the whole thing is that she, as Curzon, had slept with this old lady, and didn't want to uh, didn't want to betray that confidence, and she was willing to die for it, which I guess is noble. But that's but uh, she didn't I don't know. Say it doesn't a seem word. noble. It seems stupid. Nope. No, and the Star Trek way would be to come up with some clever Kirk sort of trick that manages oh. to protect her and also get your, get out of it. Yeah, but she just waits to die. Yep. Like that's not the Jedzia uh, we sort of know. Well, we don't know her at all. She's had almost nothing to do in eight episodes so far. That's not true. She's been so, around. What's that? She's been around. Yeah, but she's had a couple of lines here and there. Like, her and Julian, I would say, we really haven't gotten to know yet. And I was hoping this episode would, you know, would fix that. And, and I don't think it really has. What are you talking about? Julian st- likes to hit on people. Well, That's okay, all he does. Enough. Yeah, that's true. Well, he didn't go to sleep for this entire episode. Allegedly, he's a, well, he was sleeping for the whole last episode, so... Right, that's what I'm saying. He was uh, he was awake this time, so that's that's character improvement, yes. character advancement. And no, I don't something. know. I, I feel like, you know, again, it's hard for us because we know we've seen the show. We know she's a great character. Mm. It's hard for us, you know. Imagine the listener, and there are a few listeners that have checked in with me and said, "I'm watching along with you for the first time." Mm-hmm. For those people, Dax feels like this sort of flat background character that doesn't really have any, you know. Any convictions and is just sort of... Well, I guess she has too many convictions is the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, to them, they're probably wondering, what the hell are you talking about, strong female character? She's she's nothing. And and it's a bit of a disappointment, and I'm hoping she turns a corner soon because... Well, I mean, she must. You know, at some point, she turns from nothing into one of the best characters on the I show. I guess yeah. this is sort of the Deep Space Nine equivalent of the naked time and the naked now. Which we mentioned, where you don't know enough about the exactly, character yet. Exactly, it's to, all about them really acting out a character, that. but you don't know the characters. It's the same thing here. We don't know anything about Jetzia, so we don't know is she the kind of right. person that would be doing this, or, or at least narratively, we have the advantage of having a character that knew her previously, yeah. and can tell us you're not acting right. So there's that at least. Whereas on the Enterprise, everyone was meeting each other for the first time, and you couldn't really tell who was out of character. Right. But still, it just it feels. It, it doesn't feel like the Dax we know, but the Dax we know comes from future episodes. And you know, again, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think that's fair to the listeners who are uh, who are watching along for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I she agree. gets better. She gets better. That's what we can say. Yeah, she definitely definitely gets better. Um, there was a, a great strong female character in this oh, episode, God, yeah. <laughs> which is my good thing. Which is okay. So they decide that the that the station is under uh, Bajoran. Well, they don't decide this. This is they remember this is true. It. Yeah, he's under Bajoran <laughs> jurisdiction, and so they bring up a magistrate from the uh, from the planet, and she's literally a hundred years old, and she's just this sort of I don't well it, it's actually my quote, so I'll go ahead and play this here. This will be an informal hearing, so I am going to start with some informal advice. I am one hundred years old. I do not have time to squander listening to superfluous language. In short, I intend being here until supper, not senility. Understood. But her whole attitude, the entire thing, is like, is this going to take very long? <laughs> Looking at her watch, like, I want to go home. I don't care about any of this. I'm missing Matlock. And that was that was or Bajoran Matlock. Yes, Bajoran Matlock. 
which is exactly the same show except Andy Griffith has a ridge on his nose. <laughs> yes. But it's it's just she's this fantastic character that really there's no reason for her to be like that other than it's a it adds an extra layer of dimension to a character who's there. Like there's yeah. no it doesn't move the plot forward. It doesn't really give any of the other characters anything to do per se. It's just somebody who's got an interesting thing about them and I like that about this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was actually sad that she. I don't think she ever comes back, which is a shame. Probably not, because that would be. I'm sure they'll need a judge again in the future. Why and can't be she great be the new Kai? Kai? Ooh, that would be Ooh, great. Yeah, Kai sassy old lady have, who doesn't have time for any of your nonsense. I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> she's uh, Amanda was looking at it and she's like, uh, "How did they get my mean grandmother on this show?" <laughs> That's exactly what she is. She's the she's the mean grandma, and she's she's fantastic. I yep. re- I just I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And again, it 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 speaks to this show's higher priority of character. That while they while they stumbled with one of the main characters, they didn't have to give this character. You know, they didn't have to give her anything to do other than bang a gavel. Right. But they went the they went the extra step and made her interesting because that's what this show does. It likes to build. An interesting ensemble of of characters. Of course, in in giving us a good character, we had to sacrifice something so her gavel lost its handle. (laughs) She had the same. uh, She had the same thing that the uh, Klingon judge had in Star Trek. No, no, the The, Klingons had a fake hand attached to the ball. She actually had to pick up the ball and bang it. The Klingons had. Oh, yeah. Actually, and she's a (laughs) hundred years old, so you know. Also, the Klingon one shoots lightning. (laughs) Oh, that's true. No, it's just because the 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 metal against the metal. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, well, it's I don't still. Know. I just thought it was magic. Oh, it was awesome. Yes, it was magic. It was Klingon magic. They were Klingon sorcerers. <laughs> Klingons are magic. It hardly ever comes up. But yeah, you know, it's actually think surprising it how often it doesn't come up. It would have come up in the magics of Megas too, but they didn't have any uh, Klingons on the ship at that point. So. But if they had, and, and, oh boy. as we well know, Klingons love rollicking. So that's true. It's Some it's wharf. right there in the the series Bible. It's like the first thing about them. Yep. But no one Rollick are lovers. The Klingons are also the enemy of the Federation. And <laughs> Speaking of Klingons, this is the first appearance of Rectagino I wrote down. I yep. felt the need oh, to write it? that down, which is Kl- Klingon yeah. coffee. Which conveniently sounds like cappuccino. Oh, so it does. Oh. I never noticed that. Isn't, that, clever. isn't it nice how, how polite the Klingons were to have that work out for us? Yeah. Well, it's like Kronos. Mm-hmm. Sounds like something from our mythology. So that's... Uh, you know, like Vulcan or Romulus. Right, exactly. And Remus. Don't forget Remus, which now exists. Yep, sure does. It's what an interesting planet it is. Not anymore, Yes, isn't it just... Pretty sure it blew up with the rest of it. Well, that would be nice. I mean, I did see it happen. Watched it happen. You saw it happen? It has happened. Mm -hmm. Mm. We should talk about how Keiko's not there and how Cisco makes a point of pointing out that Keiko's not there. (laughs) In his his opening logs. It's fantastic. Yes. Captain's log. (sighs) Oh. Thank Christ. We decided that yeah, um, when O'Brien visits Keiko's family, her mom is like totally cool and relaxed, and Keiko's got a hot sister. Who's who's, who's uh, not who's, interested in O'Brien whatsoever. She's whatsoever. probably gay. That's where we're hiding all the gay Star Trek characters back on Earth. Oh, hello, Miles. What a pleasure to see you. What are you doing with my sister, Miles? Oh, <sighs> nothing. Oh, kill me now. Poor, poor Miles. But uh, I, I think, Brian, you pointed out that this was the first time they realized that that uh, they didn't need the entire cast for every single episode. Uh, yeah, no, because uh, Jake wasn't in the last episode and O'Brien wasn't in this one. So they're like, we got enough of an ensemble that we can, you know, we don't have to awkwardly yeah. force everybody in. Well, I figure I figure Sirach, 
Is that how you say that? Sirach? I, I am Sirach. I am Sirach. <laughs> Uh, Lofton was probably in school at this point. Yeah, that was one of those things. So, like Wesley, he probably couldn't be in every episode. And, um... <laughs> Kanko took a, took the entire class on a field trip to her mother's house. Oh God! <laughs> all They're of the saying, universe to explore, and this is where you took us, huh? Back to Earth. We've all been here already. This Shut up and bad. drink your tea. Terrible. Ugh, the worst. Yeah, and yet we can't really complain about her too much because she wasn't in this episode. Oh, we still can. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Brian, you were mentioning that uh, it, it, it feels a little unfair for us to constantly complain about his horrible wife, but I feel like now that we're on a show with strong female characters, it suddenly feels a little less sexist, well, like we're just we're singling what her What I was out. saying is that it's an unfortunate thing that happens a lot in any show that has like a fan following, is that a lot of times the you know, awkward, nerdy, and horrible fans of the show will unfairly judge the female characters. And the example yep. I used was, was Skylar from Breaking Bad, which I'm not as familiar Absolutely. with as a lot of people. But generally, as I understand it, the reason people don't like her is that she's sometimes not 100% supportive of her murdering, meth-dealing husband. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much and, it. And uh, therefore, she's a horrible person and should die. And, like, the actress has even come right out and said, like, yeah, people don't like my character because they're asshole sexists. And yeah, so I'm, pretty much. I always yeah. feel like there's there's always a danger of coming off that way, but people, like Keiko's bad enough yeah, but, that when she's not in an episode, they have to tell you first things so that you know. Right. <laughs> no, and don't I, worry, I, everyone. She's not around. I, I I know she's written that way. Like she's played. Yeah, she's no, portrayed no, like, very like, well. It's, it's and like I give Rosalind Cho. Is that her name, Rosalind Cho? Yeah. I think I give her full credit for playing the character as written. Like, so well that we just can't stand her. And she's a perfectly but fine actor, yeah. I mean, I'm sure... Yeah, she is. And I'm sure there will be an episode a while, maybe once they get used to having her on more often, that she'll... You know, the, the, I'm, I'm hoping that throughout the course of the show they'll find the balance. I don't think they will, just remembering what I remember. But we'll see. I know there's a, there's a particular relationship that she doesn't approve of. Mm. I know they wind up sending so, her back to Earth for a while. Yeah. Which is nice <laughs> for O'Brien. Yep, <laughs> and his boyfriend I'm Julian. In with Julian, I right. love him. Okay, what else about this episode? See, that's how you can tell we're 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 just dancing around the episode because really not much happened. The the kidnapping of Dax bugged the hell out of me. Like right at the beginning, it was not well directed. It's, it's not well directed at all. It looks really shitty, and it looks like Jed Z is just leaving with them. Yeah, she doesn't resist at all. She no. just sort of stands there and waits for them to grab her. So basically, it, it's it a starts... shocking and thrilling walk down a hallway. Yeah, it, it starts with, like, she's just uh, said goodbye to Julian, and she's heading back to her quarters. These guys jump her. Well, they don't even jump her. They're just, are you Dax? Yes? All right, you're coming with us. All right. Yep. Julian and... sort of hurt, hears her, her yelling and turns around the corner and doesn't do anything except look at them for a couple of seconds. No, he, he hits one of them. No, no, hang on. He tries to take a swing at one of them and then stops when he realizes it's a woman. And then he gets uh, his ass kicked. Uh, are you doing anything <laughs> like, later? You're not very good, Julian. Actually, the, the, way, it, uh, the way it happened... Uh, uh, this, here's what I remember, Rashomon. Julian, doodly, um, doodly? Yeah, no, um, Julian does uh, try to hit someone and then knocks himself down in the process of trying to hit someone. <laughs> Because then he sort of falls against the wall. <laughs> not good. No, not very good at all. Uh, but and then they just stroll her out of the, uh, try to stroll her off the station. Like, yep. that's and if they weren't, be pretty and, 
good. They're tracking them from ops, and it's literally like, they're going down this hallway, lock the door, and then they unlock the door <laughs> with their little gadget. Yeah, they now have they're heading down this unlocker. hallway, lock the door, and then they're like, we can't find them. You just saw what hallway they walked out of. How hard is it for you to find the camera Go there. in the next hallway? Yeah, the station, the station is a circle. Either they're walking <laughs> clockwise or counterclockwise. Figure it There's out. Yeah, and the only way they manage to grab them is at the last second, at the last sort of grasping tendrils of a uh, tractor beam. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have escaped. Just, just sad. Just, it's not good. No. Also, but then, uh, I watched, we watched it with Mal last night, and the guys are all clearly wearing Nintendo Power gloves. <laughs> they yeah. really are. They're so bad. Now they're playing with power. They love it. They're so bad. Yep. Um. But yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, like, there's just there's not a, like, the, the hearing goes on for three quarters of the episode, 70% of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> How many is that? Is that a lot? <laughs> How long has this trial been going on? No, don't tell me a time. Tell me something and to then, compare um, it to. How long an episode of Matlock? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to get back to Matlock. Matlock! Matlock! And, um... Matlock Expressway. Uh, the Matlock the, um, <laughs> apart from the uh the Odo like uh talking, you know, doing his little investigation thing, there just there wasn't much action. Not really. There just there wasn't much of anything. That wasn't even really. action. And half of that was just him calling in from his weird little TARDIS panel. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He had this weird blue rectangle behind them that looked very TARDISy. Hello, Cisco. I'm calling you from the Doctor Who convention. <laughs> oh yeah, big fan. <laughs> I thought you were investigating. A... Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lead here. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the tickets from myself... Clark. <laughs> I bought myself an 11th Dr. Fez that I'm going to use as my new bucket. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just visualizing that right now, and it's wonderful. I've been stu- Fezes are cool. I've been studying the 11th <laughs> Doctor to figure out how to make a chin. It's just got so much to work with. <laughs> To really study the cheekbones as well. Get that whole cheekbone thing going on there. That whole thing. Sandworms. You know I hate them. Or sandworms. <laughs> <laughs> nice fucking model. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Odo turned into Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, Quark, I've seen The Exorcist 200 times, and it gets funnier every time I see it. <laughs> Once again, that's how you can tell we didn't uh, particularly latch on to anything in the episode. That would be the most off-topic we've ever gone here. (laughs) Most off-topic we've gone so far. (laughs) So far. Um, I did want to talk briefly. We get Cisco getting a little bit of a Picard speech at the end of this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that's a that's just a general uh, Starfleet commander's thing, because Kirk had a couple of uh, uh, speeches like that as well, like in courtroom episodes. Yeah, but we identify them as Picard speeches. The, two, uh, the, the two meetings they always have to go to are uh, the um, debriefings on the nature of Q and mm-hmm. uh, uh, lessons on how to give indignant speeches. The See, nature of Q with David Suzuki. But I put it to you. <laughs> oh. That... Um, no, Picard speeches are meant to change your mind, whereas the uh, the Kirk speeches are meant to just say, "Fuck you, I'm doing what I want anyway." Mm. And I'm not exactly sure where Cisco falls this, between this the was, two of them just yet. Much like um, uh, a lot of what Cisco does, this was kind of a uh, little bit of each. Yeah, he's definitely got a bit of Kirk in him because Kirk would have punched Q as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, we didn't actually mention that though. But uh, just to randomly What's go that? back to the last episode for a second, that was something I yeah, did sure. like with that. Um, 
all star all command level Starfleet personnel attend a special meeting and get a little information packet on Q. Yeah, the more you know about Q. Cisco knew who he was, but um, everybody else didn't, and like Miles was classified and was only able to talk about it after he showed up. I like um, I'd I'd like to think that they're little pamphlets, like little um, (laughs) propaganda pamphlets. Like uh, loose lips, summon Q or something like that. Sinking the and there's Q a picture. There's a there's a picture of a little Q gremlin like giggling and walking away from some disaster. And it contains some um, uh, uh, translations from several cultures of uh, fairy tales about people making three wishes and then turning out badly. Right. This exactly. is what Q does. <laughs> Look, he stole Zinc from an entire planet. <laughs> oh no. This section was zinc. This section no was uh, this section was written by Dathon's people. <laughs> Coily and the greasy guy at the spring factory. <laughs> Coily, greasy guy at the golf game with his friends. <laughs> Why the whole earth is just one giant spring? Oh God! Oh, springs Tell in me how Coily fits into God's plan for us, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no springs, Mon Capitan. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, art people, uh, art slaves. Anyone <laughs> want to draw those? Uh, l- watch out for Q propaganda things. That that would be that would be great. That's, Do that. Also, that sounds, Odo wearing that a fez, up please. The Alley. Or or Odo draw, wearing a fez, right? Dressed also as good. Beetlejuice. Right, dressed as Beetlejuice. <laughs> I got third place in the costume contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like my gender swapped Beetlejuice doctor costume. <laughs> <laughs> Gender Swap Beetlejuice 11th Doctor. Gender Swap Beetlejuice uh, Victorian Steampunk 11th Doctor. <laughs> and the celery on my lapel. For some reason, that was way out of place. I don't know what that was. Someone was really mad. All right, anything else about this actual episode? No. Why, what have we been talking about? Uh, more or less Star That Trek, is the question, sort of. isn't it? Well, that's a question I don't think we'll answer this time. Yeah. Brian, anything further? Uh, I guess there's a quote coming. Uh, no, I already played that. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, right. That's right. I remember when I, when hearing it. I talked it. about the old lady. That's right. Yes. Because we all hear them live. I, I, I play them, I, I summon them, and I play them, and we and hear we them. We listen to and them, and we, we uh, know what happened. Yep. Yes. Exactly. That's how it goes. All right. So that is that for these two episodes. Woo! Next week, we will do two more. Uh, as I mentioned, we are doing another crossover with our good friends Gav and Gav at the Drunken Time Travel Podcast. Right, um, indeed we are. I know we've I've, I've encountered a fair amount of new listeners lately, so I don't know if it's our, our convention appearances, our, our YouTube videos, or what it is. But you know, thanks for listening. We're we're, we're glad you're here. Um, if you're into Doctor Who, our friends Gav and Gav do a show called Drunken Time Travel, yes. where they review Doctor Who from the very beginning, the way we're doing Star Trek. Only they uh, involve beer. Because they're from the UK, and you can't not involve alcohol of some kind it's if true. you're from the UK. And, it's just a uh, cultural thing. Yes. So uh, there's that. There's... Brian, I know you're itching to uh, to to promote your own stuff, oh, so please. Yeah. No, I actually forgot about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, my stuff. Uh, well, yeah, as I said last time, I, uh, I'm uh, finished with uh, the 52 canonical Disney films. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I've moved on to volume two of the blog, which is the uh, Disney's competitors. I... Uh, chose to start with Warner Brothers feature animation because it gives me uh, an opener that's a really, really lousy movie. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, uh, I read that. Yep. You, were, you were quite cruel to Quest that. For Camelot, uh, Quest which for I Camelot. Both, Camelot I, I saw was, Quest for Camelot back in the day. It deserves it. Not only was yep. I quite cruel to Quest for Camelot, but a friend of mine uh, messaged me later and said that when she saw it on Amazon Prime decided to give it a whirl, and she thinks I was too mm-hmm. nice to it. 
Oh wow! <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and well, um, I, I will say this: I know if not your next one, one of your next ones is the Iron well, Giant. Well, that's actually what I was going to say is that that's the very next one to go. Okay. You know how if you, you guys don't sing that movie's praises from the highest mountain? I'm going to come club you with a good solid club. I'll tell you this: you know how you guys say that you run into a little trouble when you got to review a really good episode and there's not much to Indeed. say about it. Yeah, imagine okay, what it must be like to review the Iron Giant. That movie is basically perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Mm. That is the correct answer for the Iron Giant. Matt had actually hadn't seen that nope. until uh, he came over here one day, and whatever we had planned, I just canceled it and said, "Nope, you were watching the Iron Giant, it's right?" Amazing. The fuck. Yeah. Now. No. When I... that came out, I was watching the Santa Claus over and over again. Ah well, <laughs> Santa Claus with an E. I started crying just describing the last scene to somebody in a diner the other day. Aw. <laughs> Somebody was saying uh, that somebody who really was not a fan of the uh, Zack Snyder Man of Steel movie, mm -hmm. which doesn't really narrow it down in our circle of friends, <laughs> said that you should get the Iron Giant because it's it's closer to the spirit of you Superman. Remember that? Than, uh... And he's like, he remembers the kid saying, you decide what you want to be. And he just closes right, his right, eyes right. and Superman. Yep. Oh, God, I'm tearing Aww. up now. It's like Picard playing the flute for me. God damn it. <laughs> I don't even remember that anymore. Picard. Who's Picard? Which one is he? <laughs> He's the one that never. See the guy? He's the one that never hit Q. Right, of course. I remember now. Yeah, you Space know, Nine, guys. Uh, so next week, two more episodes. Uh, join us for that, Hopefully Matt. Better. Please say your thing. See you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.